your son's name. Amen. And y'all can take a seat. Hey, if you, let me just make this announcement at the very beginning. Uh, as you can see, we have a, a, a portable baptistry right here. So we're going to have a baptism tonight. Uh, but with that, there's some sensitive nature to this baptism where we can't put it out on social media. So I'm going to make this plea at the very beginning of service. Do not pull your phone out at any point of the service, okay? No point of the service. We want to be protective in this way. But we have physical Bibles in the back and on the front for you to grab. So if you don't have a Bible, you're relying on that phone Bible, we got a Bible for you. If you'll turn to the page 935 in that pew Bible, we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy. Page 935 in the Black Pew Bibles. We got plenty of them. And if you don't have a Bible yourself, you came here and you don't even have one at home, we encourage you to take that. We want you to have a copy of God's living and active word. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hey, did everyone have a good time of gravity? Yeah. Hey, I'm... Thankful for what the Lord did at Gravity, and I believe he's got something for us tonight. I believe uh, he's got something for us moving forward. So if you're in page 935, 2 Timothy chapter 1, that's where we'll be tonight. Any Survivor fans in the house? Rocky 3, is it, that has nothing to do with Survivor. But Survivor, obviously you understand. Survivor, you're trying to go out and trying to survive, was it 29 days now, out in the wilderness, out on an island. But here's the thing with Survivor. What I find hilarious and doesn't make sense is these people go out to play Survivor and they don't know how to make fire. It's like that is one of the main things you got to do out of Survivor. So they go back to camp and they don't have a flint yet, which is a flint is what you uh, can use to make a fire. They don't have a flint. So they're rubbing two pieces of wood together and they can't really get one. But then they maybe get a small ember by rubbing those together. They get a small ember. And when they get a small ember, they freak out. Everybody runs, and they're, like, guarding it, and they're, they're, they're putting it in the fire pit, and then they're putting all this coconut husk. They're blowing on it, and they're trying to fan this, this fire to be something bigger than just a small ember. Or maybe you see the last part of the survivor where there's two people, the person that builds a fire that is big enough and hot enough to burn this string, a flag will pop up, and you go to the final three. So people, they start with the flint, the magnesium, and then they get, get it going, get a spark, get an ember, and they get the coconut husk, they blow on it, they get the kindling, and then it goes hotter and hotter and bigger and bigger, and then eventually snaps the rope, and the, the, the flag goes up. Tonight we're talking about fire, but I believe that everybody in this room has either no ember or some small ember inside of them. Maybe it's a little bit bigger ember, maybe it's a, a, a little bit of a bigger fire, but I believe God did something in your life this weekend. I believe God did something at Gravity, and I believe I saw a ton of you down at the altar asking God to move. I know he saved people in this room this evening, and I want to encourage you and fan the flame that God has put inside of you. So tonight we're going to talk about fanning the flame that's in you. So our overarching, our dominant thought, something I want you to walk away. This is the action step from God's living and active word tonight. I'm going to give it to you the very beginning. Fan the flame that God has given you. Fan the flame that God has given you. Let's pray as we open his living and active word. 
God, thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for the fruit. I thank you for what you started in some of these students' hearts this weekend. Maybe it was just walking and surrendering and repentance to you because they haven't been walking faithfully. Maybe, Lord, you fanned their flame to where they wanted to go share and their fire grew bigger and grew hotter. And, Lord, we know that you took people who had no ember and you created life in them. God, we praise you for that. I pray for the same thing tonight, for those that don't know you, that they might come to know you, start a fire in their life. And tonight, Lord, you would fan the flame and we would have a ton of people burning bright for your glory, for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So obviously we're going to fan the flame that God has given us, but I'm going to give you three specific things that as a believer you should be fanning every day. The first step, the first thing you need to be fanning is to fan the flame of salvation. Fan the flame of salvation. Let's look at first at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank God whom I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Fan the flame of salvation. Now, I'm not saying this to where your salvation flame can go out. That is not what I'm saying. What I believe is when God quickens you, when he saves you, when you come to know him, that, that flame is on forever. But we see here that uh, this is, in, in, the, in the context of 2 Timothy, this is one of the last letters, one of the last things that Paul, the apostle, is writing in his letters, and he was writing to a guy named Timothy. And Timothy was a guy that he mentored, a guy that he discipled, a guy that he poured his life into. I mean, if you guys, whatever, it be Spider-Man, whatever movie, when someone is dying, their last words mean something, right? You can think whatever movie you want, their last words mean something, they're weighty. There's lots of sermon series on the last words of Jesus, because there's always something weighty to them. Well, these are some of the last words of Paul, and he's in charging a church leader, a, a leader of men and women, Timothy. He's charging him to do something. So I believe he's charging Timothy to do something, but I believe he's charging us to do something tonight. And the first thing I think he's charging us to do is to fan the flame of our salvation. Because in verse 5 it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure dwells in you as well. He's calling back to his testimony. He's calling back to when Timothy accepted Christ, when Timothy first followed Jesus. And he's saying, I remember your grandmother, Lois, and your mother Eunice, and their faith, and that you have that same faith as well. It's really easy in suburbia of Oklahoma City to kind of get saved and then forget the joy of your salvation and then just go to church for the rest of your life. You just come to Wednesdays, you come to Sundays, and you don't really do anything else. You don't spend time in God's Word by yourself. You go to the events. Yeah, Falls Creek, Gravity, those things are great. Yeah, I go to midweek, I go to Sunday school. But there's no life change happening, and there's no practical application, and there's no walking in the newness, walking in God's Word each and every single day. And part of that reason is we get stuck in this machine of suburbia church where we are just doing it because we look better when we do it. When all reality, we come here 
to, to fellowship with one another, to learn from one another, to learn from the Word, to encourage one another. But we come and we follow Jesus simply because of the salvation that He brings us. We need to remember the joy of our salvation. So uh, let me personalize this. Many of you have heard my testimony. I was saved when I was nine. I did not grow up in a family that, that follows Jesus. That, that We went to church a couple times when I was little, that, and we got, we got out of that rhythm. But my grandma Bone, she's a saint. She's awesome. She's amazing. She helps lead the Awanas at our church. And if you don't know what Awanas is, it's just like a little Bible club for little kids. So I would go to it because she would bribe me with a Dairy Queen milkshake afterwards, a vanilla milkshake after Awanas. That's why I would go to Awanas. But it was at Awanas that my grandma, my grandma Bone, led me to the Lord. How sweet is that? I mean, that's a sweet deal that my grandma used the milkshake to get me there, and she shared Jesus with me, and I gave my life to Jesus through her leading from the Lord. That's amazing. Now, would it make sense for me to just forget that moment and then just go about with whatever I'm doing for the rest of my life, live towards me, live for selfish reasons? No. I need to remember the joy of salvation. It needs to be on the forefront of my mind each and every single day. You will not live on fire for Jesus if you don't remember the joy of your salvation. That needs to empower you day by day by day. Because remember, I want you right now, in your mind, if you are a believer in Jesus, remember the day you gave your life to Jesus. How joyous of a day was that? Was that sweet freedom that you tasted? Was it this acceptance as a son or daughter of the one true king through the gift of the death and resurrection of Jesus? It is in that moment that we feel the fullness of joy. We need to remind ourselves of that every single day so that we would walk in that joy, but we would hope that others would walk in that as well. Because if we're tasting, if it's on the forefront of our minds, we're going to want other people to be a part of it too. We want them to experience the same joy. We want them to experience the same joy salvation that we have received so we've got to fan that in to flame how do we do that we remember every single day we rehearse the gospel to ourselves each and every single day because the aspect is when we don't remember our need for jesus we begin to rely on our own strength we begin to not live for jesus but we begin to live for self for me myself and i and we forget of that we're broken people in need of jesus and when we live like that, God is not going to use you in your own strength. God delights to use you when you're broken down to show how good he is. He doesn't want a bunch of people saying, I got this. I got my own strength. Because the fact of the matter is, you can't change someone's heart. You can't change their love for Jesus. It is only the Holy Spirit who does. So that has to be on the forefront of our mind, the joy of our salvation that Jesus has saved us. That we are broken people. Right, Because you can look around this world. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. What happened that Wednesday? There was a shooting. What happens at schools across the nation? There are shootings. What happens across this nation? There's abortions killing millions of children every year. Do you agree that this world is broken? It's broken. We're broken. We fall to the same sin over and over and over. And we feel like there's no solution. But guess what, right? We know this story. We know the three circles. We know that this is not the way God designed it, but man messed it up. And that's called sin. We messed up what God had design, designed. And we feel the, 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 the uh, impact and the effect of our brokenness in our world, in the shootings, in the murders, 
and the addiction and the cancer. We feel that because we live in a broken world. But God delights in us so much. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, to give us a solution out of the brokenness. And that solution was to get us, get us out of our sin because we're all sinful, all destined on a one-way ticket to hell because our way, for the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But God gives us a way out through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus, the Son of God, came down and lived a perfect life on your behalf. He went to the cross and took our penalty on your behalf, on my behalf, and three days later he defeated death and he rose again, showing his lordship, showing his majesty, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father for eternity. And all we have to do to go from brokenness to wholeness is to repent of our sins, to turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus and trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And now that once we have done that, we are saved, we are a daughter, we're a son of the the one true king, our life is no longer about brokenness, it's no longer about us, but it's all about recovering and pursuing what God has for us. And remembering the joy that we have experienced in the solution in Jesus and bringing that to other people. But if we don't remember when we were saved, if we don't remember the joy of our salvation, it's going to be really hard to share with other people. There's some of you that have forgotten your salvation moment, that you need to rekindle that. You need to fan that into flame. You need to remember about that. God to bring detail. But there's some of y'all in the room that don't have that story that I'm praying and have been praying that you would make that decision. We must fan the flame of our salvation. The second thing we need to fan is to fan the flame of the Spirit. Fan the flame of the Spirit. Let's look at verse 6 and 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1. For this reason, I remind you to fan the, into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us the spirit not of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. We need to fan the flame of the spirit. Now, I want you to imagine you're sitting in your room right now. Close your eyes. You're sitting in your room, and you're doing physics homework. You've got to build something. Elon Musk walks into your room. You do, <laughs> so you're like, what in the world are you doing in my room? Get out of my room. Elon Musk is in your room. You're doing physics homework. If you're doing physics homework and Elon Musk is in the room, do you ask him a question? Yeah, you can open your eyes now. You're probably asking him a question. He, he knows a thing or two about rockets and, and cars and those things. Okay, imagine you're outside at the recess and you're playing basketball. Shea Gilgis Alexander comes up. I was like, what's up, bro? Hey, can I, can I work on your mid-range with you, your mid-range jump shot? And you look at me like, nah, bro, I'm good. Like, you see this? Yeah, I got this. You don't say that, Elon. You don't say that, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But here's the fact of the matter. We do that with God. The Bible says he's given us the Holy Spirit. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. That we have the very Spirit of God living inside of us, but we don't access Him to live for Him or for His name to be known in our schools and our friends. We have the very Spirit of God inside of us. It tells us to fan into flame. If you're going to fan something into flame, if you've got the fire and you're trying to get it, there's intentionality with it. You're building the kindling. You've got the coconut husk. You've got air. You're blowing air into it. You're trying to be careful 
you're being intentional, I'm going to build this fire. We must be intentional with the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Because if we try to live and walk with the Lord in our own strength, it is nothing in His sight. It's just filthy rags. But God wants to use the Spirit in your life to refine you, to change you, but to change this world. Because your words have, don't have the power to save. But the very Spirit of God, the very words of Scripture have the power to save. So this idea of fanning is mean to gain fresh life, to rekindle, to cultivate, to revive. And some of us live spiritless lives. We come to church and then we, next time we open our Bible, we come to church again. We don't open the Bible on our own, we don't pray on our own, and we're just living this life without the power of God. When it says he's given us a spirit of power, the word there in the Greek means is dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. Now when you think of dynamite, you think of fireworks, you think of TNT, you think of bombs with all of this power. God has given that power inside of you. Okay, let me tell you this. Okay, there's 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 people in the room. Where's my shy people at? Y'all shy. Shy people. Y'all are so shy you don't even like want to raise your hand. That's a that's a bad question. Who's my extroverts in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all are loud. I get you. I get you. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know personalities are a thing. I know personalities are a thing. I know extroverts, it's a lot easier for you to, to go out and talk to people about Jesus to go do things. I know people with the gift of evangelism. It's much easier to do that because that's something you're gifted to. But let me in on, let, let me bring you in on something. The extrovert and the introvert, the outgoing and the shy, all have the same spirit inside of them, the same power inside of them. It's not shy people just got a little bit smaller portion of the spirit, and the extroverts got all of the power of the spirit. Each and every single one of us have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us, which means we all have the ability to be used by God and for God to work through us. The power, the dynamite that God has given us in the spirit of him. God is working in you. He wants to work through you. Not of fear. He doesn't want us to shrink back when we live our faith. It's so easy, to again, to be in suburbia where we just like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's all I'm going to say about it. They don't know that I actually walk. They don't ever hear what, what I'm learning, but they know that I go to church on Wednesday. Yo, that's not the life that God has called you to do. He's called you to want, live one in his power. Uh, my father-in-law gave this to me after my ordination, and Pastor Rummage used this in an illustration. Uh, I mean, we live in a wireless world, so uh, think back with me. Go back to uh, archaic age with me. There is a cord that plugs into an outlet, so, so work with me here. This is a razor. Many of you all wish I used this much sooner on the mustache that I was growing. This is a razor. If I don't have this plugged in, does this razor do anything? No. If I have it plugged in, does it work? Yes. Why? Because it's plugged into the source. When you aren't plugged into the Holy Spirit in an active relationship with Him, each and every single day you are as worthless as a cordless shaver. We must 
put ourselves into the access of the Spirit. We must plug ourselves into the Spirit each and every single day to be utilized by God. But the problem is all y'all or many of y'all and even myself many times are okay living this life rather than one that's plugged in. Do you want revival in your school? Do you want revival in your own life? Plug yourself into the power of God, which will change you and will change people around you. Don't shrink back. We have the power of God inside of us. The power of love. We have the love, agape love, a love for everyone. He's given us that ability to love people that are different than us. Yes, we're going to stand on Scripture and we're not going to affirm sin. But we have the power to love people that aren't like us. And to be of self-control, sound mind, to walk faithfully. So how do we fan that into flame? It's we spend time with Jesus each and every single day. Now I've been saying this for weeks. If we have this room, almost 200 people in this room, if we have that many people begging God to move each and every single day, begging God to use them to change their life, people on their knees saying, God, change me so I can change this world. If we have 200 people on their knees each and every single day plugged in to the power of God in the Spirit through His Word, this place will look different. And there are people in this room that are living that life, and we're going to see testimony of that tonight. Because people love Jesus so much, they love people coming to Jesus so much, that they actually share it with them. And they see the power of God beyond their own words, beyond their own strength, and they see it in real life. It happens when you are accessing the power of God. Fan that in flame with a walking, active relationship. In his word, praying to him, begging that God would move in your life each and every single day. And I promise your life will look different, and those around you will look different too. The third and last thing that uh, in this passage that I believe that God is calling us to fan the flame is to fan the flame of your calling. Fan the flame of your calling. Verses 8 and following. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel, praise God, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard me until the day that has been entrusted to me. Fan the flame of your calling. We have a student last year, um, and he, like, it felt like last semester about this time, really shifted his focus of what he wanted to do post high school. Uh, my buddy Will, uh, his sister is in the room tonight. He uh, went this way where he wanted to do welding. Uh, he had done some welding in his class uh, at school before, uh, but he was like, I think this is what God has called me to. I think he wants me to be a light in the welding workforce. Now, if Will is called to do welding, he wants to do welding, do you think it's a smart idea to go to welding school never doing any kind of welding? Do you think anyone's going to hire you if you don't ever do any kind of welding and you say, I could be your welder? Say, well, do you know the tools that you have? No, I have no idea. I was hoping you'd tell me that. Do you think anybody would hire that person? Do you think they're going to be successful in their career? 
No, they've got to work out their calling. They've got to practice. They've got to do that. The same thing is with our faith. We have called to be disciples who go make disciples. We've been called to people to be enthralled with Jesus, to tell others about how Jesus changed our life, the testimony of how Christ changed our life. That is the calling he's given us through different schools and different teams and different organizations, different towns. God has placed you in the place that he has for you to live out your calling, making his name famous. We need to fan the flame of your calling. Verse 8 says, therefore, since God gave you a spirit, not of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-control, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Your most powerful witnessing tool, sharing Jesus with others, is the testimony how Jesus changed your life. People want to be see how authentic it is to you. If Jesus has radically changed your life, they're going to want the same thing. But if you look like everybody else, if you're doing the same thing, if you're smoking weed next to him, if you're gossiping next to him, and you're like, hey, by the way, Jesus changed my life, they're like, it's about as changed as my life. Do we want that to be said of us? We need to work out our calling. Do not shrink back about the testimony about our Lord. It should be something that rings from our mouth. How Jesus changed our life. Again, fanning that flame is reminding yourself each and every single day of how Jesus changed your life and seeing testimonies in this youth group of how Jesus has changed people's lives. We don't want to shrink back from the testimony of God. Actually, God's word tells us that we're going to actually move forward with power, love, and self-control. Do you think that's God's calling you to the back seat? No, he's calling you forward. Do not shrink back. It says, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the sake of the gospel by the power of God. Many times, right, we've all got these small embers, and many of them, we've kind of done the opposite of what the old uh, little kid song talks about, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let the the devil blow it out. I'm not going to cover it up. But many of us in our schools today, we cover up our light. We cover up the ember inside of us because we don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be picked on. We don't want to be left out, so we cover it so we're good. We keep status quo. Y'all, do you think that's a life God has called you to? Do you think God has called you to just walk around covering the ember, covering the light of God in your life so no one else can see it? He's called you to do the opposite. Don't shrink back. Let your light shine. But again, if you're not tending to the fire inside of you, people aren't going to be attracted by the light of it. I mean, you think of like outside, you got a light that the moths go into and they just continue to run again and again and just die. They're, the whole community just going and they, they're attracted to the light. People are attracted to the light of, of Christ in you. Are you fanning that into flame? The bigger the flame, the more personal you are with the Lord, the more you are actually walking it out, the more people are going to respond to it. The more people are going to want to know why it shines so bright. And they're going to want that light as well. And the Lord is going to use that to ignite a flame in someone else's life, and then come to know Jesus. Fan the flame of your calling. Don't shrink back, but share in the suffering. We live in America. None of y'all are going to school tomorrow. If you share the gospel, none of you are worried about someone killing you. But believe me, there's people in other countries that they have that fear, that that's a reality. We have it easy 
in America. We have so many resources at our fingertips, right? We get all you all y'all been through the three circle training. All y'all have access to U version. All y'all have probably four copies of the Bible at home. We have all these resources that we need to hold on to, we need to stand on to share the word of God. Our suffering looks different. It's isolation. It's being gossiped about. It's being left out. But we must be willing to stand alone for the sake of the gospel because it's worth it. But the great thing is it's not in your own strength. If you are standing for the sake of the gospel by yourself, you will fail in your own strength. You will not last. You will wither away. But it says, share in my suffering as Christ shared in our suffering. He suffered for us. It says share. But it says by the power of you. No, it says by the power of God. That when you live the life, you are not alone. You have the spirit of God inside of you. And that's why it's so important each day to fan the flame of your testimony, of the spirit inside of you, and of the calling. Because it says in verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. There's a purpose for the place that you're in right now. You're not in your school or in your family or in your friend group by accident. God has placed you there on purpose. Each of our purposes are different. The people that we're called to reach, we're, we're all placed in an area to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he's changed our lives. So I want you to take a moment. What is the place that he's placed you in? What is the purpose that he has for you on your choir, on your team, in your classroom, in your friend group? Why has he placed you there? And how can you utilize that for the sake of the gospel? How can you begin to look and pray for ways to share the good news of Jesus? My brother Ashton right here, I, I was talking to him uh, the other day at lunch. And homeboy, now I don't recommend this, homeboy was saying, Hey, bro, I, I shared the gospel twice already today. It was already lunch. I was like, dude, no way. He goes, yeah, I was in the bathroom. We were at the urinal. I was like, whoa, 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 what are we doing? Like, Dude's on fire for Jesus. If you know Ashton, he's on fire for Jesus. And it's because of Ashton and Drew and other people in this room that have been faithful to the calling that God has been giving them, that they've been fanning the testimony, they've been fanning the spirit, that we got testimony of lives being changed tonight. Yes, it is through the testimony, it is them fanning the flame that we have life change. That through their faithfulness to the calling that God has given them and the purpose and place that they are in, that God is going to use that. And I promise you, it's not just Ashton and Drew. There's other you that are living out this calling, but that calling is for you. It's for me. It's for everybody who walks with Jesus. God has a purpose and a plan for you to proclaim the good news of the testimony of what Jesus has done for you. And I promise you, it may not happen the first time. It may not happen the second time. But I promise you, God is going to use that to save people. He's reached people in this room. There are people in this room right now that did not grow up at Quail, but they were invited to quail. They were shared the gospel by, and they've been a part of this community because you have been faithful to share. Guys, when you fan the flame, 
of your, your salvation. You fan the flame of the Spirit in your life. When you fan the flame of calling that, being intentional with Jesus, walking with Him every single day, your life will change and others will too. That ember inside of you will begin to grow and it will begin to get hotter. It's going to begin to roar and there's going to be no doubt when you walk down the school hallway, people are going to say, I see that light. I don't see someone trying to hide it. I see someone boldly walking in what God has called them to do. My prayer is that we have a student ministry that is walking faithfully in that way. My hope and prayer is that we have a student ministry that is fanning the flame over and over, day after day after day, that we will go to Pastor Rummage and, and Ray and our facilities and say, we don't have a place big enough for all the lost people coming to know Jesus here. That we would have an issue fitting high school in this room. We would have an issue fitting middle school in that room because y'all are sharing the gospel. Yes, it's my job to equip you. Yes, it's my job to shepherd you. Yes, it's to teach you about the word of God. But your job is to share it with your friends. We want to, I want to help utilize, I'm going to preach the gospel every time I'm up here. I'm going to preach the living and active word of God. But God has called you in your calling to go be disciple makers. He's called you to go make a difference in your school. I can't be in all the schools. Caitlin, Cooper, we can't be in all the schools. But you are in that every single day. That's for co-op. That's for Christian schools. Public schools. God has called you to be faithful with the calling of being disciple makers. And I promise you, embers will begin to grow. Embers will begin to burn brighter and hotter. As the band comes up, I want to I transition to a time for those in the room tonight that do know Jesus, you got an ember going. You've got an ember going right now. You have a testimony. You have a salvation story. You surrendered your life to Jesus. I want you tonight, I want you to recognize, I want you to, to, to identify right now. Are you fanning that flame? Are you fanning the flame of how Jesus changed you? Are you fanning the flame of the power of God that now rests in you through the Holy Spirit? Are you fanning the flame of the calling that God has for you in your school? If you're not, we need to come and we need to cry out to him and say, God, I repent. I want to you to radically change my life and I want you to radically change those around me. I want more stories of students sharing their faith and people coming to know Jesus because of it. Not because Quail Springs glory, because of the glory of God and souls being saved to Jesus. That's the most important thing. So if you are a believer in the room tonight, I want you to, to identify, are you walking with Jesus each and every single day? Are you trying to hide it, or do you want that to grow and burn hotter and brighter? But there's some of you in the room tonight, you don't have an ember. You don't have a salvation testimony. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I promise you, tonight God wants to ignite that inside of you. I hope you see the beauty of Jesus, our need for Jesus. That we're broken in need of a Savior, and there's only one solution, and his name is Jesus. He came and took our place on the cross so that we might have life and life abundant, life eternal with him, and that we might have peace that surpasses all understanding. So if you'll close your eyes and bow your head, If you have not made a decision for Jesus tonight, if, if you have not, if you don't have that ember in your life, if you don't have that testimony of how Jesus has changed your life, 
I want you to focus in right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed. If you have not trusted in Jesus, if you have not come over to the freedom that Jesus offers you tonight. In about a couple seconds, I'm going to tell you to raise your hand. And if leaders will come alongside the room, should there be any decisions? And some of you guys might be a little fearful right now. You might be a little afraid. If I make a decision, if I step out, people are going to see me. There's not a better, more comforting room for people to see you in. There's stories, every single person here that's a believer, they've come to know Jesus. They have that story. They want to help you on that, that, that journey for you. So if you have not made a decision for Jesus tonight, but you want to, you want to find the freedom that he offers, you want to walk in the newness of life, you want to have a relationship with him and experience the joy and the peace and the eternity that he offers you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Now every head is bowed, every eyes are closed, but if you want to make that decision tonight, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. This isn't uh, some kind of shame, this is a thing that you get to walk in this life. We got leaders that want to walk you through that process. So if you have not made a relationship with Jesus, a decision to follow Jesus and you want to do that tonight, you want to find freedom, you want to find a new life, you want to find a new family, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If you want a new start, if you want to follow Jesus for the very first time, we're here to walk with you. Raise your hand if you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus for the very first time. For the believers in the room, we're about to worship the Lord. And it's going to be special tonight. We're going to worship him. We're going to give him praise and honor because he's worthy. worthy. But tonight we're going to baptize. And I'm going to tell you his story as we get to baptism. But I want you to utilize the stage. I want you to utilize one another to pray with one another. But I want us to fan the flame that God has given us as a student ministry. I want us to fall on our faces asking that God would move. And only way that he can move. Gravity isn't just a two-day deal. God has sparked something inside of you that he wants to fan into flame. And you do that by calling out to him and walking with him. So I'm going to pray. And as I end my prayer, we're going to stand up. We're going to worship. And then we're going to worship in baptism. And we're going to worship the Lord for what he's done. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your living and active word. God, we thank you so much that you have desired to save us. That you saw us as wretched, sinful people. But God, you loved us so much that you sent your son to take our place. God, thank you for the salvation that you bring. God, I pray for these students as they wrestle through the calling you've given their life. The spirit that you've given in their life. The testimony that they've been given as they wrestle, as they work through that. God, I pray they would call out to you. God, I, feel, I, I pray they feel comfortable with the leaders on the side of the room, that they would go and talk with them. Work through what you have for them. Let them come flood the altar. Let them come flood and pray with one another. God, would you move in the only way that you could tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.